and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, the podcast series where we watch the films that my co-host missed growing up. My name is Chris and I'm joined by Eric. Hey everybody. And uh, we've got an interesting one this this week, I think. Um, yeah, this this one could have been in round one, I think we were talking about yeah, it yeah. Time. It could have been in the hat first go. But I, I, I pushed for the other John G. Avildsen film. Which, which was? <laughs> Rocky. Oh yeah, of course. So yeah. I, 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 thought I pushed for that too. That's kind of the more classic route, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, we've got uh, John G. Avildsen's 1984 film, The Karate Kid. This is it. This is the end of the line. Telling me. For Daniel LaRusso, the future seemed far from terrific. This place is a dump. You should go back to New Jersey. Until he met the hey, right girl. I she's beautiful. I say she's beautiful. I think she's beautiful. But that only angered the wrong guy. And his troubles really began. Then, in one man, he found a teacher. I promise teach karate. And a friend. Fighting always must answer. In the end, it will be in Daniel's hands. In his body. And most of all, in his mind. Concentrate, focus, power. Remember, balance. No mercy. Columbia Pictures presents The Karate Kid. Hey, what kind of belt do you have? Canvas. You like? <laughs> JC Penny 398. <laughs> so 1984. Yes. I mean, I knew 80s, but that's pretty early. Actually. Yeah, were you expecting kind of later 80s? Seven, eight, 87, 88, something yeah. like that. Mm. Maybe even closer to 90. Yeah. I'm not well, sure why, but because um, yeah, 84 is... That's pretty, early. It's pretty early. Yeah, it's, it's like in the peak of the 80s yeah. times, I guess. Okay, so that already changes my mindset a little bit just in terms of what to expect. From what to what, if, if I may ask? Uh, maybe a bit simpler. Okay. Um, let's say a bit less blockbuster, a bit more fun. Yeah, okay. Or a bit more raw or something like that. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, because, you know, it's, it's pre-Top Gun and that side of things. It's pre-big, exp- like, not exploitation. It's pre-Back but... to the Future as well. Like, uh, same year. Oh, oh no, no, sorry. sorry, Back to the Future is 85. Yeah, yeah. so, because uh, to me, those that's sort of the era when a few things changed in a way, and particularly f- from what I'm like gradually s- learning. <laughs> sort of shifting away from, like, a more grounded film to a more kind of fantastical blockbustery. Yeah, thing. there's blockbuster size of it a little bit. Like, um... Yeah, a bit more fantastical, perhaps, like E.T. Not that I'm expecting karate to be fantastical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it could be. Those kicks, man, they can go I pretty know. high. They can do whatever. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'm yeah, I'm going to expect something a little bit more simple or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Rather than a big grand thing. The, the thing I was wondering, or am wondering, heading into the film, because I, I don't know much about it. Yeah. Because I know you'll ask me that. Um, <laughs> I, I just know it's um, an American kid being trained up to be karate man. Okay. Well, that's my impression. That, that's the impression that you yeah. get. Yeah. So my understanding, um, but so, but I'm sort of so I, I believe it's an American kid, um, learning karate. But I American do, set or going so over to Japan? No, or? See, that's where I'm not sure because I know there's got to be some element of Japan in it. So I believe I think it's set in Japan, but I don't know whether it's going to have a tone of like Mighty Ducks Two, America vs. the World. Oh, okay. Or, so it's like a big tournament a or Cold something. Cold War yeah. style film. <laughs> <laughs> so it's essentially Rocky Three, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. So I don't know whether it's gonna be like America versus the odds, or if it's just gonna be. Um, there's got to be a little bit of, I believe, you know, American kid mastering another nation's, or appreciating another nation's, because um, you know, karate's roots are not American. Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So. No, I really don't know. <laughs> just, just, he's going to have a rival. I can remember, never remember his name. I definitely have heard it along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm expecting a bit of a kind of like an underdog kind of story. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. I, I'm expecting it to be set in Japan. Okay. And is there anything that you know, like coming from pop culture, like the, that has kind of seeped through at all? Or is it just... Yeah, but I think I'm getting a few of them mixed together. Like okay. I know last week you, you and... You were talking about with Claire, wax on, wax off. I totally forgot about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, um, and now I'm thinking of catching a fly with chopsticks. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, I could also just have, like, images of Pi May in my head from Kill Bill 2. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, okay. So, you know, um, so no, I, I'm sure like as, one, as soon as I see them, I'm like, oh, that's right. But yeah. no, no, they're not those ones that I'm just like, yeah, that's from that movie. Yep. So this uh, is just a one that for some reason has just fully yeah, slipped through the cracks whatsoever. Yeah, it's completely. Because mm. um, this was one for me, um, I was actually out for a beer last night with a our friend Tom, mm-hmm. previous guest, and, you know, you all know him. <laughs> um, and he was sort of saying that this was an interesting one where he only saw it when he was, like, maybe 13, 14 for the first time. Yeah, okay. Um, and we're thinking, like, why this was a big one for me as a kid was because I had an older brother. Yes. Who was dialed in. Like, my brother Nick loved, loved, loved these films really? when he was a kid. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I could imagine that. They were, like, his go-tos. Um, yeah. So, he, what, where, how old do you reckon you were when you first... Probably about six. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And so my brother would have been like, you know, eight, nine years old. So it's like that perfect. All over it. All over it. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, would have been around sort of 80, or probably like 91, 92, kind of like around yeah. the time that like part two was coming out on VHS, I would say. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, those, those tone movies, like I've said in the past, like Mighty Ducks, I was all over. Yeah. Like that was probably the one for me. And that's like, obviously a bit later film, but that kind of like... You know, kid protagonists. Yeah. The, the, it's kids going on a journey and learning something. Yeah, and, and having a good time. And there's just fun kiddie jokes. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this one might have eluded quite a few people of, of our sort of age bracket, just because we were mm. just that little bit too late on it. Yes, I yeah. think so. That's probably why it maybe wasn't it, one that everybody saw. It's it a similar thing of to it, but, um, why people of our, of our age kind of almost a lot of them have a blind spot to John Hughes as well because it was that kind of early uh, the tone and the target audience of John Hughes is just a little bit too old unless you had siblings or you kind of knew to seek them out I guess you kind of just they're a little bit of a black hole so I think this one kind of falls into that gap despite being a very fun and interesting movie yeah I'm intrigued I'm because there's got to be more to it than just a kid playing playing with karate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm wondering if he's in Japan with um you know dad working or something like that, mm-hmm. and he finds companionship or something finds... through karate. All right. Well, uh, should we just watch it and find out? Yep. Let's do it. Cool. So that was uh, the Karate Kid. That was a pretty long film. It it weirdly it's not, but it kind of is. It's, yeah, it's, it's this funny combo. It's two hours. I think it's two hours and one minute. Yeah, <laughs> but it like, it does feel like two hours and one minute. Like, I think the pacing is actually quite good, but mm. it's just not. Far. It takes its time and tells the story well. Yes, they're trying to leap through and tell a whole bunch of stuff. It is a nineteen eight. It's an early 1980s film where it actually cares and takes its time with story and character as opposed to just get through action beats make mm-hmm. it feel fast fast paced bam yeah get to the next bit yeah it, it's actually taking its time to develop the characters draw out relationships mm. establish a plot yeah it's good it's really good <laughs> and that's it like at the end of the day um you know daniel really well you know mr miyagi really well you know their relationship really well you, know, you see them grow and actually connect. Yes. It's not like you made the comment when we were watching it, like it's that you liked that we were having these scenes, and it's not just all of a sudden they're best friends now. Yeah, there was one moment where they became best friends. Yeah, it's like a couple of moments where they get friendly and then become trusting and almost like a father figure. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, and you know um, his girlfriend. What was her name again? Ali with an I. Oh, that's right, Ali with an I, and his Daniel with an L. You got a name? Hey, what's your name? Daniel, with an L. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you knew her enough to, even though she never had any individual scenes, or really, well, she was never going to, but, you know, she had enough of a character, you got enough of the mum, you got enough of the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get, to, we'll get to Cobra Kai eventually. We but... didn't find out where they get their cocaine from. <laughs> Those are some jacked up dudes. Clearly one of the waiters at the country club. Oh, true. Yeah, he just picks um, up from his dad's desk. But um, <laughs> you had elements in the guessing what the plot was going to be. You had, you had yes. some stuff. like the Unlike eye. that there would be karate in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to like pinpoint, okay, kid, uh, you know, single mum and the kid moving from yeah. uh, New Jersey to California where everyone else also seems to be from New Jersey. Yes, they do. <laughs> As you know, I was from Jersey. Because I'm from New Jersey. I got a nose for my own. Everyone seems to be fleeing Newark. It's like they saw the future. 
<laughs> it's Escape from New York. Oh, I'll excuse myself. Sorry to New Jersey. I actually yeah. been to New Jersey and quite liked yeah. <laughs> parts of it that were nice. Mm. No, I'm more meaning they arrive in California and like a good 70% have like really thick East Coast They accents. really do. Yeah, like you, you're just picking up on it left, right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh yeah, there's another one. Mm. But um, yeah, the, the plot of a kid being bullied and then kind of finding a father figure in Mr. Miyagi and then teaching and training of uh, karate to kind of not beat, beat up the bullies, but to earn respect from the bullies. Like yes. to not, it's, he has that wonderful line about why do you want to do karate? And, he's, and Daniel's like, mm. revenge. Hey, you ever taught anyone? No. Well, would you? Depend. On what? Reason. How's revenge? Daniel San, you look revenge that way. Start by digging to grave. Well, at least I have company, right? Fighting always last answer to problem. Yes. And it's like that's well, you've already lost then. Yeah. Like that's not what this is. Let them get to you and you've yeah. Um it's funny though, because at the end, like Spoilers, everybody, as usual. <laughs> um, he, like, the movie ends with him literally just delivering the best face kick ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is so good. There's just this wonderful sound effect as he just, like, thwacks him in the face. It's so perfect. Oh, and it's just the timing and the delivery and, this, and Billy, Billy... Billy Zabka. <laughs> Billy Zabka's flop to the ground is perfect. Yeah. Like, the... Yeah, it's and it, it is it's that wonderful like oh god what's gonna happen and the music starts to swell and it's just like oh this is movies. <laughs> oh, it was so good. It reminds me of when when I was in India and I went to a Bollywood movie. Oh wow! And okay. it was about a tale of two brothers. Yeah, and it was hilarious because they both became cage fighters. Awesome. And one had to like do it the hard way and another had it the easy way or something like that. And they hadn't they were estranged. And they ended up having a fight, face off against each other in the final. Oh my god! So it's like that uh, Joel Edgerton, uh, Tom Hardy movie, yes, Warrior. Yes, <laughs> which could have been stolen. I don't know. But yeah. the best thing was the one the brother had to do it the hard way. His first fight is like this big fight build up. He, he got there and he's ready for the first fight, and then like the guy comes running at him, and it was just literally like a one punch down. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just amazing. Awesome. And, um, so this reminded me of that immediately. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's um, But yes, yeah, so, and then at the end of that, after this, just so Johnny um, has been like having a go at him, wanting to beat the hell out of him. One kick to the face, he loses the fight, and he immediately just gives him the trophy. Yeah, that's the weirdest yeah, part. That was the like, only thing I didn't like. I'm like, oh, so he did win him over by kicking him in the face. Yeah, it, it's kind <laughs> of like just all of a sudden, there's no turn. You don't even have a moment of Johnny being like on the ground, like looking up at Daniel, being like, Respect. Right. I, yeah, I respect. Like you actually I still have to hate you for some reason. Yeah, but just for some reason, it's just all of a sudden like, I love you, man. <laughs> We're best buddies. Yeah, well, it's really, really. We go to the showers together and you know, like, calm down after have a drink and like yeah. beat up other kids together. Well, and then the film just freeze frames and ends. It's it's like oh, a super frame. super abrupt ending. Yeah. It's it's you mentioned it's really similar to the Rocky ending yeah. where it's just. Like it's kind of a trope, a cinema trope of the eighties that you don't see often now. That I kind of dig, where it's just it like works. story's done. Yeah, go home. <laughs> yeah, we don't need a Lord of the Rings seven ending goodbye. Yeah. Um, it's just like that's what you came for, folks. Yeah, but weirdly, um, the opening scene of the Karate Kid two was actually meant to be the in the ending of this film. Oh, okay. Um, although it it wasn't shot until the second film started production. Um, but it was like included in the script and like mm. the novelization and everything. But just for some reason they didn't shoot it and then yeah. they kind of used it to open the second film yep. and it's um, in it uh, Crease who is crazy crazy Vietnam <laughs> like, oh, yes. like the, oh, the ruler gosh. of the Cobra Kai <laughs> ruler of oh, Cobra Kai that, that guy, guy is the guy who wished Vietnam War didn't end yeah he is intense <laughs> he is intense he, oh he, yeah he, he yeah. just looks disappointed they made him come home yeah well we <laughs> We're saying, I was saying, like, he's like a Bond villain. He is. Except his lair is a, like, small studio in the valley. <laughs> and his henchmen are children that he's training to murder. What do we say here? The And what is that way? Strike first, strike hard! No mercy, sir! I can't hear you! Strike first, strike hard! No mercy, sir! Shredder? I, 
At least Shredder had a warehouse. And an army. <laughs> and an army. This guy is just on a power trip in the valley. Yeah, and you can only just afford the rent for a little bit longer. <sighs> oh, it's bizarre. But yeah, um, it, so anyway, in like the original ending, Kreese uh, attacks Johnny for losing the tournament. <laughs> uh, Miyagi confronts Kreese and passively immobilizes him. Miyagi's, Miyagi threatens to strike a deadly blow, but instead comically tweaks Kreese's nose and walks away. Like he has him like by the arm and he's like wah, wah, on his nose. <laughs> you didn't need that, did it? Uh, uh, and then members of the Cobra Kai then drop their belts around Crease and like kind of walk yeah. away. I mean, there was enough that the Cobra Kai kids are already beginning to doubt him as a psycho. Well it, done, kids, for joining the dots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just took you way too long. To a long time to get there. Yeah. Um, like the first it, time you see the Cobra Kai dojo... Like, red flag. Immediately. If, like... <laughs> Immediately. There's a picture of him in his army uniform. And I, I like, made the joke. It's, like, when... If, even if Johnny had won the tournament, Johnny doesn't keep that trophy. That trophy goes to Cobra Kai. That goes, like, a bedroom. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, look what I did. Yeah. <laughs> but the way he's teaching his class is... Well, he's a drill sergeant. Hey! 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 You lose concentration in a fight and you're dead meat. Yes, Sensei. What? Yes, Sensei! Give me 60 push-ups on your knuckles. If I was a parent dropping off my child there, I'd be like, no, like, no, no way are you doing this? Yeah, good, good thing it's the parents' drivers who drop the children off. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's nuts, isn't he? Um, but yeah, that, that ending would have, the film wasn't, was never about Miyagi. No. So that film would have made it about him. Or, I mean. To an extent. I, I don't think it would have made the film about Miyagi. It would have made, if you didn't have the beat of all the other Cobra Kai kids dropping their belts around a defeated like, crease, yes, yeah. that it, that focuses back onto the kids in general learning a lesson, not just necessarily These Daniel people. succeeding over the obstacles that face him. But yeah. in by doing that, he's also taught those people all a lesson. Children, yeah. Like, kind of something, but again, yeah. it's, no, movie's done, freeze frame, end. Yeah, finished. <laughs> so, um... So do they use that scene or something? That's the opening or... scene of the fir- second film. Really? It picks up like right away. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's been years since I've seen the second one, mm. but I'm pretty sure it's about Daniel going to Japan. So maybe for... that's where I got the Japan idea from. Let me, let me just see on here. Uh, Daniel accompanies his mentor, Mr. Miyagi, to Mr. Miyagi's childhood home in Okinawa. Uh, Miyagi is visiting his dying father and confronts his old rival where Daniel falls in love and inadvertently makes a few rivals of his own. Wasn't he already in love? Oh, uh, yeah. Elizabeth Shue didn't want to come back. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, we'll talk a bit about Elizabeth Shue because I think she's wonderful in this, but yeah. um, this was her first film. She actually deferred a semester of study at Harvard to be in this film. What? And then they were like, oh, you come back and do the other one. She's like... No, I'm I'm good. I'm gonna stay at Harvard and I'm keep... going to Harvard. Yeah, I yeah. I'm like I wasn't at like this is I'm doing this as a side gig <laughs> while being at Harvard, so I, yeah. I'm good. So they wrote her out and like yeah, fair enough. She broke up with Daniel or something, which is yeah. kind of deflating. <laughs> it's because they actually had really good chemistry. Yeah, she uh, she is fantastic yeah. in this film and like for a first role as well. She reminded me a little bit of um of um. Bland old Blaine, Blaine from Pretty in Pink. Oh yeah, okay. the rich kid who doesn't mind the poor girl. Yeah, um, she reminded me. She made me think of a more believable version of Blaine. Yeah, one that yeah, who <laughs> actually has chemistry. Yeah, like nothing against Andrew McCarthy, but like Elizabeth Shue is a way better actress. Yeah, she like, did a job. And look, I enjoyed Pretty in Pink a lot, but um, she was I, just very uh, natural in her performance, yeah, she was. and you could actually see that like she was interested in Daniel. Yep, she was interested in him. Um, and their chemistry was fabulous. And Daniel is going to pull all of the ladies in the universe. <laughs> he is so smooth. Yeah. He, he has some moves. And he's got that wonderful, like, coming in from the East Coast, just like, yeah. Hey. He's got, yeah, that's it. And now that he's proved himself and all the kids in Cali. Oh, um, yeah. He's, he's unstoppable he, now. He is freaking unstoppable. He's king of the school immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just doesn't have a bike yet. But otherwise, um, he's got a sweet old car. But that's an inter- that brings up an interesting thing. Um, him being, like, the king of the school and stuff now. I kind of dig that the film isn't weighed down with any other friendships. No, I've actually found it interesting that um, once he got beaten up at the beach, all the other kids are like, bye. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. interesting move. I thought you normally you'd have your, at least your similar friend circle of 
shall we say, losers? Yeah, like... Like it, you know, the loser like, club and uh, stuff. Well, what I was going to go to with, like, a uh, kind of similar style of movie, like the new Spider-Man movies. Yes. Like, he's got, like, Peter Parker's got his friend Ned, like the nerd mm. kids and stuff that he's friends with, yeah. while he's also learning and growing and training becoming Spider-Man, and that's yes. like... But this film doesn't have that, which is... No, it doesn't... He, it, he has no friends except for Mr. Miyagi. Which is kind of interesting and great. It is, isn't it? It's, and it helps make that relationship so powerful and strong. Yes. It's, I mean, Back to the Future does a similar thing. Marty's got no friends. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's in a band, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and granted, he goes back to the past and the future and stuff. But that's um, only like a week. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> a but really it doesn't weird give him much time in the film to ever need friends exactly um, for yeah. a plot but um yeah he, he doesn't have any and it works beautifully because mm. um, it's about his relationship with the doctor so i guess it's a similar kind of thing and as a result yeah the, all the focus is on him and miyagi and um now what's the name of the actor who played mr miyagi oh pat Morita. because he was fabulous he is amazing in yeah. this film he you um seen him in other things uh probably he was on happy days <laughs> Was he really? He was okay, one cool. of the Arnolds on Happy Days. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, he, interestingly, did they did not want to cast him. Because no. um, he's a comedic actor normally by trade. I am probably unlike any other Jewish comedian you ever saw for. <laughs> you know, actually, this is Americana. You stop and think about it. Our ability to ethnically kid about ourselves. You know, I mean, really, you can become here anything you want to be. I'm a citizen born in this country, and that proves we weren't all made in Japan. But really, like everybody in this country, let's face it, I could be president of the Glendale Gardeners Association. <laughs> but really, the way I got it figured, gang, why cut grass when you can smoke it? Yeah, he, he was like a comedian normally, and yep. he was known for like light, fluffy stuff, like obviously Happy Days and things. Yeah. And um, so they wanted to try and get an actor with a little bit more weight and gravitas yep. and things. And um, yeah, he ended up coming in and absolutely crushing it. Yeah, because he... Um he nailed that serene, somber sort of style when he needed it. Mm. And then he just had that little cheekiness to him. Yeah, it's the playful cheekiness. Yeah. and then, But it is that the, the scene where he's drunk in his old army uniform and stuff yeah. that like, makes this character. He delivered that really well. Is this your wife? I don't know you were married. Uh, damn beautiful, don't you think? Yeah, she's pretty. Uh, oh, first time I saw her. As Kingfield, Hawaii, beautiful. Dangu King Karatu. Hmm. Where is she now? Drink, drink. <laughs> well, apparently the studio wanted to cut that completely. Really? Yeah, they said. Um, what was it that it uh it slowed the pacing down. Yeah, I mean, yes, it did in a way. Well, the pace already wasn't that fast. Yeah, and it was a fairly long scene in a way, but um, it, it gave you a lot of connection to Miyagi and, and connected the two of them. It yeah, was, it gave it like it, it ends wonderful. I'm just <laughs> stammering. There. Yeah. Um, it ends really wonderfully with Daniel realizing, getting some and understanding of who Miyagi is, mm. where he comes from, and beautiful moment of him just bowing with respect to him at the end of the scene. Yes, when he's just unconscious in bed. Yeah, yeah it's mm. great. And and he sees the um. He, the logo, yeah. Miyagi's logo, who he then gifts to him, and he realizes the importance of that, yeah. the significance of it. And apparently, Pat Morita himself designed that logo and made that patch, oh. which is pr like adds this nice little thing. What a boss! But um, yeah, it, I, I've got a bit of information on like Miyagi, um, like him celebrating his anniversary and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, that it's revealed that he was part of the 442nd Regiment Combat Team. Yes. Um, that unit was comprised. Uh, had all this because I know you yeah, <laughs> enjoyed he, some World War II yep. stuff. Uh, it's comprised mostly of Japanese Americans, uh, many of whom uh, had been in internment camps, who fought in Europe during World War II. It became the most highly decorated uni uh, unit in the history of the United States military. Wow. Uh, Mr. Miyagi's Medal of Honor, uh, the highest... Uh, yeah, I, thought I, I thought that was a Medal of Honor. Yeah, yeah. It's the highest military decoration yeah. awarded in the United States. Uh, it's visibly recognizable by its blue ribbon and the inscription uh, with the word Valor. Uh, in real life, the 442nd Regiment Combat Team had 21 Medals of Honor awardees. Most of those go to people who die. Yeah. Wow. Uh, including Senator Daniel Inouye of Hawaii, uh, and its members have received 52 Distinguished Service Crosses, 560 Silver Stars, and 4,000 Bronze Stars, 
and 9,486 purple hearts. Now, don't... Purple hearts are for getting wounded in action, aren't they? Yeah. Jeez. So that's... Um, Miyagi was part that. of that regiment, apparently. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So that... that yeah, because I... That was all this little... Like, I think it's... If you look closer, you can actually see it's the, all the proper insignias yeah, sure and stuff for accurate. that regiment, which is yeah. why are all this kind of... A little cake. attention to detail. Yeah. But it just makes me... Yeah, you're such a badass. Yes. <laughs> yeah, how fascinating. No, because... um. And how nice was his house, by the way? I want to live there yeah. real oh, bad. imagine the maintenance side. I have to find someone to fix it up for me. Uh, yeah, you just got to find a kid and say you're teaching him karate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so funny. You karate training. I'm what? I'm being your goddamn slave is what I'm being, man. Now, we made a deal here. So? So? So you're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn, remember? For four days, I've been busting my ass. I haven't learned a goddamn thing. Ah, uh, you learned plenty. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I wash your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty, right? Uh, not everything is as seemly. Oh, bullshit. I'm going home, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were just concocting alternate endings. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm assuming, like, you knew, like, oh, obviously, this is where this is going to yeah, build Yeah, it was going to go somewhere. <laughs> and it's that, I, I suppose... Out of anything, I thought that might have been the one thing that could have uh, kind of slipped through in pop culture, the idea of... Him doing the chores, but it's actually training. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, we were just joking that like, what if it is just <laughs> no? He just makes him train up until the tournament and then sells the house. <laughs> yeah, it's joking that like this in the morning of the tournament, and a real estate agent just comes and puts a for sale sign out. <laughs> just renovated it for him, done it up, it's ready to go, and all the cars are gone, and yes. he's fled. <laughs> oh dear. And then Daniel gets beaten. <laughs> But he learns an important lesson. <laughs> Don't trust old men. Oh dear. No, um, no, the house and the actually that even just reminds me, like the filming in general just made everything quite beautiful. Yeah, and it's it, um Reiner did a really good job. Uh, or whoever the DOP was as well. Mm, um no, I think you're getting confused because we were talking about Rob Reiner earlier. Uh, John G. Avildsen. Oh, I oh yeah, I watched the Rob Reiner film everybody the other night. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, we were talking about him before this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um yeah, John G. Avildsen. He's yeah, it's it's very similar, I think, obviously because it's got a kind of sport fight based thing at yes. the core of it. Yeah, but the way he's handling the material is very similar to how he handled Rocky. Mm. How it could be about this big spectacle and it could be about the sport and the fight, but no, he's drawing it into a personal yes. story, and the way he's shooting it is really wonderful. Yeah, um, he's making the environments and the cities and the settings of where it's taking place be a part of the film, yeah, like not just a backdrop. Yeah, Philadelphia is a part of the Rockies. Rocky, the film, mm -hmm. like a huge part. And he does a similar thing with this. The way that he's capturing the sunsets and the yes. uses of the beach and stuff, yep. he's really making you feel like it is California. Because filming on those sunny days is difficult, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like my basic knowledge of, of cameras is um, you, you like a bit of cloud cover. Just a little bit, yeah. yeah. It helps control the evenness yeah. of the light, yeah. Um, that, that shot on the lake was when he was learning to balance on the boat was... Oh, it's beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. Um, but it, it like works twofold, I think, like because... Like, again, like I was saying, like, brings California in to be at yep. play with it all, because obviously they've moved there. But at the beginning of the film, you don't see much of California. No. And it's only after Daniel starts to become comfortable and happy in what he's doing and being there that it starts to spread yeah, out and brings point. in a bit yeah. more sunlight and, yeah, makes it a more warm and inviting place. True, because otherwise it's just in his, you know, fairly cheap... Um, Condo, what would you call it? Yeah, condo, yeah, condo yeah, I guess. thing and um, apartment block. Apartment yeah. block thing, and, and it's all a lot of inside or nighttime shots. Nighttime as well, you yeah. don't see the bright and the warmth. No, I um, mean, then that, that's true. And then, particularly once he's training and doing his crane balancing at the beach and things like that. Mm. It's like the little subtle touches of getting a good director to do this. And yeah. a lot of really good use of um, single takes, like yes. long. How good were some of them? And uh, lots of crane, which is actually done. At, yeah. Oh, God, pun, no, no pun intended there. Oh, well done. Yeah. <laughs> Caught yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of crane shots and everything. Yep. They're like, yeah, it adds this kind of grander scope to something that at the end of the day is a small personal. Yeah, story. Like I found um, that there were a few good one take shots, and like one we were talking about when it happened was um, when um, Ali's angry at, at Daniel mm. and um, at the arcade or whatever. Um, golf and stuff. Golf and stuff, <laughs> which actually looks like an awesome place. I know. I want to oh, go to golf and man, stuff. Man, we missed out when we were kids. Yep. <laughs> um, but um, and the scene, the shot starts with him talking to her at the fence, and when she's seems to be perving on some dudes on the water slide. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. But then they had their conversation and all in one take. And then eventually like that, that turns out well. they have the share the kiss and then it sort of crane shots and pans around. He leads her over to his car and it sort of takes on the whole thing. And yeah. You know, another film would probably do a second shot when they head over to the car or something like Break that. Break into some coverage yeah. and just, yeah. Yeah, but, but this is just, because it, it never breaks stride, it, it just feels really alive or something like that. And I guess that's, I, I would chalk that up to the chemistry between yeah. Ralph Macchio and Elizabeth Shue. It was just natural and they could just keep going. It what like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, obviously have not been keeping up with the career of Ralph Macchio. No, who's he? <laughs> but he, I forgot, he is believable and really good in this film. He was really good. I think it was the the scene after he gets run on down the hill off on his bike. Yes, how good was that? And he comes home and he's like very really upset. Stab bike, I hate this bike. I hate this freaking bike. This stupid bike. Damn, I hate it. Daniel! What's the matter? Nothing. Why did you throw your bike away? Because I felt like Please, it, Mom. look at me when I'm talking to you. Oh my God! Mom. Oh, oh God! Would you tell me what's going on here, and don't tell me about another bike accident? What do you want to hear, Ma? I want to hear the truth. No, you don't want to hear the truth. All you want to hear is how great it is out here. Well, maybe great for you, but it sucks for me. I hate this place. I hate it. I just want to go home. Why can't we just go back home? You like we were dead silent. Yeah. <laughs> you were just like, okay, this is this is a movie. Yeah. Actually. Like it's he came not... home and he threw his bike in the bin. It's emotional. And he, he just gets really emotional with his mum, who manages it really well. Yeah. Like it's, and that's done well, too. It's not just like, it's all your fault. Yeah. Um, it's actually, yeah. He, I mean, it is her fault from his words, but it's done well. He's, like, not, he's not blaming her. He's just annoyed at the situation. Yeah. Saying, like, he just wants to go home. It's out of his control, and he's just having yeah. a terrible time. But um, but it's, it's really, cl- like, that's, that happens early on. Like, you have the first instance of the fight. Yes. On the, on the beach, um, when he's like defending Ali with her radio and stuff. Yeah. And then it just escalates to this absolute insane extreme. Oh my God, I know. Yeah, you were saying it's, it's, kid. it's similar to like the bullies in It, where you're just like, <laughs> this is like, you're going to go to jail. Like, like yeah, this is pretty much going to turn into manslaughter. Like yeah, <laughs> like this is bad. Yeah. And because of that, it's, it's a real threat. Yes. And the way, the believability with how Machio plays it, it's... Mm. Like it's not just you're being teased at school. It's it's like no, this this is literally hardcore bullying. Yeah, and like helps have that anchor. I get it's yes. it's that anchor for the story that to then go forward. Yeah, like the the new it, um, Pennywise is not scary in the slightest. No, because right? every single time you know they're just going to get away. So there's no threat. Mm. It's just creepy. But those, um, but those bullies are terrifying. Yeah, because they're human. Yeah, and they're more and awful ignorant. than ignorant. <laughs> So anyway, these bullies were just unnecessarily cruel. And the motivation was purely just he stood up for Ali once. And that was it. And they saw them, him teaching her how to juggle a soccer ball. Yeah, and they get off our turf or something. No, well, it's, uh, it's because uh, Johnny is Ali's ex and he wants her yes. back. And so it's that whole yeah. machismo thing. And it's, yeah. It, and then I, I guess there's, it's not directly said, but there's the whole he's Italian and everyone else is white. Kinda. There's a little like bit. There's a, and you know, Mr. Miyagi's Japanese. There's got to be a little bit of that in there uh, in the writing. It's not kind of ha- focused on, and I'm glad it's not because that's yeah. unnecessary. I'm, I'm really happy the film doesn't like it. It the way it makes Daniel the other is yeah. he's, he's the new coast. kid. Yeah. He's not, and he's East Coast. It mm. has nothing to do with his ethnicity and things. No. And I, well, the the fact that there's only really the one scene of Miyagi, Miyagi facing racism. Yes, and he deals with it. Beautifully. Kindly remove a bottle. Kindly do it yourself, Mr. Moto. Like in a nice kind of passive, but authoritarian kind of way. Yes, he proves that you can um, be respected without without, violence. Yeah. 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 Which is what he's trying to impart to Daniel. So it's like a nice learning moment and things. Mm. But it's... I'm glad that there is at least one scene of that. Yes. Because then to completely whitewash and kind of gloss over that is yeah. kind of careless. Particularly when those all the, the, the Hills kids are so blonde. Oh. They're, they're as Aryan as you can <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's um, crazy. Yeah, yeah like... And, it, well, that's... We can then go into the idea of the, there's, like, genuine class struggle in this film as well. Yes. Which I yep. totally forgot about yeah. all the country club stuff and yep. Yep. Daniel being, like, really poor and having to, like, kick, like roll start the car and stuff. Yes, yep. 
but it's like there's a lot going on here. Yeah, I guess that's why it takes two hours and four minutes or whatever to tell mm. it. Um, but um, what's what's probably also really done well is the I don't know how much um, Daniel actor um, Ralph Macchio. Yeah, I don't know how much he could karate, how much karate he knew before the film, but both him and um, and Johnny. Um, are extremely convincing. They would have obviously would have had to know some of it. I, I think they started <laughs> training for the film, yeah. and I know uh, Billy Zabka continued on after yeah. the film, and I think ended up getting like a green belt or something. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, now that I think about it, that when he's doing the crane and he kicks him in the face, it was a pretty distant wide shot. So, yeah, I'm guessing it wasn't those two guys. <laughs> oh no, I think it was actually. Really? Yeah, it's just like a lot of training and stuff done, but um, it's gonna be pretty hard not to actually kick him in the face. No, yeah, the depth perception <laughs> on that is yeah, but um. I feel kind of bad for Billy Zabka. Apparently, like, he had a really tough time uh, post this film. Oh. Because everyone, like, he would have people just come up and, like, yelling at him in the street and stuff. Oh, and he's yeah. just, like, apparently he's actually just, like, a really nice guy. Oh, dear. <laughs> he had to, like, kind of, like, went through, like, 20 years of having to explain to people, like, I'm an actor. Like, <laughs> I'm not actually a coked up maniac. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. His friends. Um, mm. Steve McQueen's son, Chad. Yeah, okay. We were joking the whole film. There's one of... <laughs> two of... Yeah, two of Johnny's mates are just coked to the gills. Oh, the whole <laughs> like, film. Like, you can see the veins in their jaws. They've like, got extra neck muscles. It's insane. They um, are just jacked. <laughs> and one of them is named Dutch, <laughs> which is hilarious. And we saw in the credits, it's like, oh, of course, Dutch is played by Chad McQueen. Yeah. Turns out he's Steve McQueen's son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he has awful. He looks like the lead singer of um, oh. White Snake. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> Just insert gla- hair metal band. I was going to say Smash Mouth, actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's just got like, it looks like he's just got frosted tips. And yeah, it's like a really weird. Well, is that. Do you think it is a dye job to make him conform and match all the others being blonde? It didn't look it, all that natural. No, it was weird. It was got, like he's got yellow, blonde, not brow, blonde. like super blonde brows as well. Yeah. It's terrifying, man. It's stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting. The, like, yeah, all of those guys are genuinely terrifying. Yeah, Tommy's psycho. Yeah, they just need to chill out. <laughs> like, if Tommy's parents didn't have a massive trust fund, he would end up in jail mm. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> You were joking that, like, all of these guys go on to work for Jordan Belfort. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, definitely work for Belfort. Sell me this pen. Yeah. Um, I don't know, were, like, any huge standout scenes? Like, what Like, what do you think... Why do you think, like, we're, we're doing this? Like, this is a film that is kind of still yeah. relevant and... Um, I, look, I think the... Um, Daniel's sort of journey. It's not a complicated one, mm. um, but it's just... He doesn't even really change that much. And I think that's what makes it believable. It's not like he suddenly transforms into a superhero. He just he just learns something along the way. And his relationship with Miyagi is extremely believable. And it's helped by his relationship with Ali as well. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, your main protagonist, everything he does along the way, like you get to the end of the film, he hasn't really changed. He hasn't like started the film as a reckless psycho. No. He's no. just slightly better at dealing with bullies. And he's, he himself has learned a lesson about not, you know, violence isn't necessarily all the be all end all to no. beat something, like, you know, to win a situation and has like helped teach other kids that lesson. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, it's kind of like, how would you compare it, say, to like, were you bringing up the Mighty Ducks in the, yes. in the intro, like as a kind of arc for a, with child protagonists kind mm, of going mm. through, it's, it's. Kind of, it's a, it's different than that yes, because yeah. that's, I mean, obviously a lot more family friendly. But. Yes, yeah. I, I think I would. I think the writing of this is more is is sort of deeper. I guess it's, it's more grounded, yeah, it's more in grounded, reality. and um, it's much more personal. I mean, Mighty Ducks is has like some of the kids have some. It's that's you know it's a ensemble cast, and the closest mm. thing you've got to a protagonist is Bombay and Charlie, I guess. Yeah. Um, so this one, because you've, it really focuses on Daniel, but has such close ties with a couple of others. Yep. They, everything's told through his eyes. It's not as though you go and watch Mr. Miyagi in a scene by himself. Yeah, it is just a personal story yeah. for Daniel. I think that's it. And you ride every bump with him and 
see him in his awesome shower Halloween costume. Oh my god, I want that. It is a great, yeah, great costume. That's a good little reminder. Like, oh, that's sweet. That should do that. Mm. Um, that's that's an interesting scene to me. The the Halloween dance. Um, mm. In that, like, Daniel could escape fine, but he he pushes back. Like, yeah. he, he instigates that second most brutal yeah, fight. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's meant to be his, um, his l- learning the lesson that revenge isn't the key. He mm. once again went for revenge. So I, I think mm. that's probably a good sign. The film didn't go, hey, this is the revenge scene. Yeah, it, like, it just really, kind of, yeah. Like, I mean, it clearly, it, it was, but uh, not in a just such, such a signposted kind of way. Yeah, it's, it's subtle. Yeah, yeah, it's quite relatively subtle. Mm. It's not a big grand scheme. It's just a moment that he's like, oh, hang on. I, I have an opportunity here. Yeah, and I'm going to do it. Take it. Yeah. Or um, he could have been the, the bigger man, so to speak, and just not. Yeah, and it just would have been another scene again where he's dancing with Ali and yeah. Johnny gets jealous and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the Halloween dance, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the soundtrack. Oh yeah. Some good <laughs> tunes. And you had told me I'm like I, I was guessing and I'm like there's got to be a great training montage at some point and you're like just wait for it and when that when you're the best kicks in it is perfect it is fabulous (laughs) good old Gio Esposito yeah (laughs) it's so good Um, Um, apparently it was originally written for Rocky 3 which explains why the lyrics are like history repeats itself (laughs) (laughs) but the song was actually rejected in favour of Eye of the Tiger yeah, okay. So that's why, and then it ended up in this film, and I'm like... It works in this one really it's well. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is like the quintessential, like, working your way up the ladder in a yep. tournament Yes, song. it is, isn't it? Because you could just have, the way it's structured, you can just edit a fight into the perfect little time slot and a bunch of different fights, and... <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, that was, yeah, and there were a couple of other tracks that were, um... Yeah, oh, what was it? Cruel Summer or whatever by um, uh, Cruel Summer by Banana Rama. Yep. Um, what was the other the one? We couldn't afford the Beach Boys. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Young Hearts by Commuter. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's like some really fun '80s yeah. dancey yeah. good tracks. <laughs> and yeah, the, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then the Bill Conti score as well yes, it works score really nice. well. Yep. And um, and like the original songs weren't overused. Mm. Um, the score was was used well. And actually. Like, the original songs were used... I liked how when Cruel Summer played when he rocked up at school, it kept playing. They didn't just drop 20 it wasn't seconds a, of, like, here's a new scene, everybody. It, it's not like... As as well as he uses it sometimes, it's not like a John Hughes film where we're trying to cram in he, pop songs. He's like, hey, here's all my favourite songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it's um, actually just... It's using it nicely to just underscore. Yeah. And it's chosen and placed at a right time that works for the actual scene, yep. and it's not... And edited around really well. Yeah. Um... Yes, whereas, um, yeah, pretty... It's pink, window dressing. Pink. Yes, whereas Pretty in Pink, fantastic songs, but you get like 20 seconds of each one. Yeah, because it's, it's a jukebox. It's like yes. bang, 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 bang. We need yeah. to fit all these Which in. It works in its own way, because that was pretty well put together. But, <clears throat> yeah, the usage in this was really, really good. And, um, yeah, good. And, like, yeah, the reason it's probably um, maintained is it's just it's just a solid storyline. And it, it, it finishes in a good manner. Um, like, you sort of believe the ending. Yeah. Do, to the extent that you think you'll... Uh, do you have any desire to visit uh, Karate Kid 2, Karate no. Kid 3, or how about the next Karate Kid starring Hilary Swank? <laughs> I forgot about that one. Um, no, I don't have the urge to visit any of them. What about the direct sequel that started last year called Cobra Kai? Oh, the show? Yeah. No. Okay, no, I am in, genuinely intrigued about yeah, by yeah, this, yeah. and yeah. I was looking it up on IMDb just before, mm-hmm. and it's ranked number. F- it's like got an eight point nine. Whoa! It got nominated for Emmys and things. It's okay. apparently Johnny has never gotten over, <laughs> like, oh. and Daniel's now like a used car salesman, <laughs> and Johnny's taken over the Cobra Kai, and like it's them now wow. as middle aged adults being unable to actually mature and get over to what happened to them in high school. <laughs> And apparently it's really fun, and it's uh, created by the guys that did Harold and Kumar. Oh, yes. So apparently, yeah, it's... Really? I, I don't know, I'm intrigued. I haven't watched any of it yet, but I, I watched a bit of the trailer and was like, okay, I might bite. This looks interesting. How intriguing. No, because I'm um, like, I, I feel this... Like, it could just be nostalgia bait and things. Yeah. But... Well, for the other movies, like, I don't feel the urge to watch the others at all. I think this just told it all really, really well and had a really satisfying conclusion. Mm. Um you don't get to the end and go, I wonder what happened next. Yeah. You're like, sweet. That story, that was a full arc. <laughs> With a freeze frame. Yeah. 
is it? If there's any signifier of stories done, it's, it's a, a freeze frame. frame. Yeah, where I don't feel the urge for a sequel. Whereas um, so, some of you are like, oh yeah, I could do with some more. Like, set up a wonderful world or something like that. This world means very little. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a very clear reason why it got a sequel. It's um, yeah. yes. The, the money the it made. Well, <laughs> so, tell me all about it. Uh, so the film had a budget of roughly about $8 million, Yep. And it went on to gross $91.2 million. That's a good return. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the fifth highest grossing film of 1984. Really? Gosh. Uh, came in behind previous films we've done uh, with Beverly Hills Cop coming in at number one. Yep. But it beat The NeverEnding Story, which was number 54. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in addition to all that money, uh, the film was nominated for an Academy Award. Really? For Best Supporting Actor for Pat Morita. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, He also earned a Golden Globe nomination. Uh, He lost both of them to uh, Hang S. Noir for um, uh, The Killing Fields. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an amazing, amazing performance in the film. Yeah, but it's interesting to see that like this isn't the type of film you would expect the Academy to recognise. No, no, not for that kind of thing. Like, um, it was big enough for them to recognise Heath Ledger as a Joker. That's true, but that was just a, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just be next level. Cause, but this performance, it's broad but kind of subtle. and Yeah. Like, there's a lot it. going it's on there. Really, yeah, there's a lot going on. Mm. He has his humorous moments, he has his really serious moments, and he's consistent with all of them. Yeah, and um, John G. Abelson, uh, state like has said that um, the arguments he got in with the studio about cutting the drunken Miyagi yeah. scene, he, he maintains... Keeping that scene in is the reason Pat Morita got an Oscar nomination. Yeah, yeah, it really expanded his scope. And, yeah, and um, it made that, that yeah. humanized him so well mm. um, beyond what you already had. Yeah, but um, I do have some alternate casting if you're interested. Ooh, yeah. All right. So Kiefer Sutherland. Ooh, not far off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, this this one's like this is a who, but it's um, but I, the whole story is kind of interesting. Kyle Eastwood. The, uh, the son of Clint Eastwood auditioned for the role oh. of Daniel LaRusso. Yep. Uh, when he failed to get the part, his father banned all Coca-Cola products from the sets of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, you didn't hire my son, so meh. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that kind of, that tracks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Clint is hilarious. Um, uh, we should say Coca-Cola owned Columbia Studios at the yep. time. That's, yeah. Um, apparently, Charlie Sheen turned down the role of Daniel LaRusso. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, yep. And uh, and apparently the role of Daniel was initially offered to Sean Penn. Oh. Uh, Penn turned it down because he was trying to do more adult roles. Uh, He later said in an interview that he thought Ralph Macchio was one of the greatest living actors of his generation. Oh, dear. But, like, that's, I don't dislike Ralph Macchio. It's just he never developed or grew. What else did he do? Well, the main thing I also know him from, the two other ones is... uh, the film he did directly before this, uh, yep. he was in Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders. Oh, yeah, was he? Yeah. Um, he played um, Johnny in The Outsiders. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other big one is uh, My Cousin Vinny with Joe Pesci. Oh, and, yes. Yeah. Yep. So. And then nothing much else. Oh, he's been in, he's got like nearly 200 credits or something. Oh, okay. like, he's in a lot, but, but it's... he just never... Kind of blew up huge. Like, yeah. I mean, he obviously did. Like, he's a huge 80s icon and things, yeah. but... Yeah. I mean, I thought he was great in this. Yeah, so, he was yeah, solid. yeah. Um, oh yeah, and there's another really weird movie called Crossroads about like uh, Britney Spears. No, <laughs> no, it's um, about like uh, blues music and stuff. Oh, okay. It's him being a blues musician. Oh. It's, it's worth a look. It's really weird. Okay. <laughs> Sounds intriguing. Um, and apparently uh, the actor Marco was considered for the role of Mr. Miyagi, but he was committed to uh, Conan the Destroyer at the time. So, okay. Yep. Um, he couldn't do it. And um, this one blew my mind, but apparently... Toshiro Mifune auditioned for Mr. Oh, Miyagi. What? I was going to ask about Mifune. I thought you were going to say um, Sean Connery and makeup. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like Highlander all over again. Yeah, he played a Spaniard before, so he can play it. And James Bond, don't forget that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, Mifune, really? Yeah. yeah um, um, for those that don't know, uh, Toshiro Mifune is one of the greatest actors of all time. Uh, He's a Japanese actor who made uh, dozens, uh, like, not dozens, but a lot of films with uh, Akira Kurosawa. 
He is an incredible, incredible actor. Colleen, our friend, would leave her husband for him. Yeah, I, I would leave my wife for Mifuni. <laughs> like, good lord. Um, according to uh, Abelson on the DVD commentary, Mifuni was great in the audition, but Abelson felt that the, that his version of Miyagi was too serious yeah. and much too uh, much too similar to like his mentor characters that he'd played in Kurosawa films, like Red Redbeard and things, where he's yeah. the stern but gruff and wise and did lack that kind of playful nature that would be needed in an american film yes yeah yeah fair enough but uh that would have been interesting yeah i wonder what animal he would have challenged <laughs> yeah that, hmm. hyena possibly no he did that already in your jimbo i think is oh, a did, hyena. Did, did, yeah i could picture him doing a good hyena yeah he uh, he used um he used to always try and channel an animal's characteristics for his performances yeah he's a great dude look him up <laughs> yeah yeah he's um Mm. Got a lot of energy. Yeah. But I guess that leads us to kind of wrapping up and the important mm. question. Um, did you like it? Yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed it now. And uh, I think as a kid, I would have loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it, it had so much character to it. that It was more than just a silly laugh off. Um, as a result, you know, two hours long, I may not have watched it bucket loads of times. Yeah. But I think I would have had really, really fond memories and, and loved the ending. Yeah. I would have loved the ending. Yeah, it's a great ending, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's it's one where, like, maybe if they even they just trim, like, ten minutes out of there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, just, just a little bit out of there somewhere would be nice, but um, no, I think I would have really connected with that. Ooh. It's, 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 a, it's a good one, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm a bit, a bit disappointed I didn't say that <laughs> when I was <laughs> Ah, well. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess any final thoughts or they'll wrap us up for... I think so, yes. Cool. So... All right, so I guess it's that time of the episode to... Pull next next episode's film out of the hat. Yes, this week we're using the Mountain Goat Brewery cap. Shameless plug for our uh, <laughs> the right. good folks over at Mountain Goat. Mountain Goat Brewery cap. Yeah. I repeat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful um, beer. Drink. Yep, delicious stuff. Um, and um, uh, the next movie is going to be Ghost. Oh, okay. Some Swayze. I'm interested in this one. Yeah, yeah this has been a while since, quite a while since I've seen this. So. I've seen many spin-offs of the pottery. Yeah, the uh, infamous pottery the scene. Infamous pottery scene, and apart from that, that's about it. Okay. So um, no ghost. So that'll be um that'll be good. Hell yeah! I'm yeah. looking forward to that one now. But um, I guess that'll wrap us up for this episode, looking at the 1984 classic Karate Kid. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you feel so inclined, you can send us an email at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at CriterionQuest. But, um, I mean, oh, the other thing we should point out is uh, you can now listen to us on Spotify. Really? Yeah, yeah. We're, you can, <laughs> cool. um, yeah, we're, we're now, uh, you can find us wherever we're on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you want to listen to podcasts, you can find us. So, um, and while you're there, why not give a rate and a review? It'd be appreciated. We're so adult now. I know, right? We're growing up. We we're, are. We're a big boy podcast. We're in the big leagues. <laughs> <laughs> but um, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, and we'll see you in a fortnight for Ghost. Uh, for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.